0: Five, five four four three, three two one one one. We have ignition. Strap in.
1: You're tuned into the God Stories Radio Podcast. www.godstoriesradio.com
2: Welcome everyone to Session 44. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. Man, what a week we've had.
1: Here it it is a few days later and I'm still psyched, stoked, excited. I I mean, it's unbelievable. It's been hard
2: to sleep. Mm -hmm. I was just saying speechless. Yeah, I'm normally not very speechless, but I'll tell you why. Is we got a chance to give our testimonies Mm -hmm. at a Celebrate Recovery
3: many testimonies yeah
2: many testimony i think we had about 15 or 20 minutes each
3: yep well some of us a little longer than others and i apologize
2: well i was really stoked because i got to go to the addictions class and i got to hang out with those guys and and get to know them and it was just amazing sometimes you feel alone in what whatever you're going through and then you just realize man you're just one of many Mm -hmm. right going to the father for a solution
1: just it's just amazing how many people are hurting out there
2: oh absolutely we'd like to thank pastor dawn freiman at the first united methodist church if she's listening for inviting us we just had a whale of a time
1: i'm still stoked i
2: i just feel like i've grown like leaps and bounds over that because that was amazing i wasn't nervous at all. Were you, Mikey?
1: Not one little bit. I mean, I didn't even think about it. Not not even
2: once. And I was pr- very proud of Trish that she got through her testimony because I know certain <laughs> parts of that. Emotional as it was. Yeah, certain <laughs> parts of that testimony are very. Yes, they
1: are. There
3: were things that I shared that I have never shared. There was some things that I've had someone say, what you just told me, don't ever tell another person that. And wow. I shared it in front of a whole bunch of people.
2: Well, you're getting ready to share tonight for 30 countries. Yeah, really. You
1: checked that out, right? 30 countries.
2: Yeah, I did. I said 29 at the Celebrate Recovery, and Mikey uh, corrects me from the front row. 30! <laughs> I,
1: uh, I think Mexico was one of the newer ones. Mexico, yeah. Oh, yeah. sweet.
2: Yeah. Or tweet us, at GodStoriesRadio
3: we're on google plus
2: google plus now
3: www.godstoriesradio.com and mikey's got us on facebook
2: yes he does com slash god stories radio
1: and, and fritz was going to uh, thank someone out there tonight
2: i am i am uh somebody pushed our button mikey
1: i know and that was exciting too
2: it was very exciting and um this person knows who he is and We just want to send a shout-out tonight and say thank you for supporting our ministry. He was the first one to push the button.
1: And it's there. Um, God told uh, Fritz's brother-in-law that uh, it was time to put the donate button on there. And as we've said before, Fritz and I were both against doing it. But when he's, uh, we know Rex, and uh, when he said something like that and said, God told me it was a time to put it on there. So the donate button is on there. So... Push away if you feel gar- god touching tugging at your heart to help this ministry along
2: and I'll tell you why that we're that we're asking you to push the button is because this week we have actually gotten incorporated mm-hmm. it's we're efficient. legit yeah. now we're too legit to quit right,
1: and then we're eight hundred fifty dollars away from being a five oh one
2: well that's correct yeah so we're we're uh, trying to raise eight hundred and fifty dollars so we can get our 501 c3 and give tax receipts and do this thing official and full-time and full-time amen that's what amen. i Amen. i'm just ready to go speak at some more celebrate recoveries
1: i'm ready to go anywhere actually wow,
2: me too Man, I'm fired up after that.
1: I, I can't, still can't get I, I, past it.
2: I know. I'd like to just take a portable rig and exchange testimonies.
1: <laughs>
2: We're, uh, this is an intro to session 44, and we just wanted to, to say thank you for helping us get incorporated. Thank you for pushing the button. Thank you for praying for us. Thank you for the, the emails and uh, the new followers on Twitter mm-hmm. that we've been getting. It's just so You're exciting. You're
3: one year on Twitter now, right?
2: Yes. Yep, I just got the uh, Twitter birthday cake yeah. <laughs> in the email. Well, we're going to take you live to celebrate recovery at the First United Methodist Church where uh, Pastor Don Fryman is hosting. I believe Trisha's first.
1: She was. Taking it on the road.
2: Taking it on the road. Session 44. Sit back and enjoy.
4: Amen and amen. I just am so thankful to be here. God is so good. Um, Maybe you don't know why you're here tonight, but God has brought you here for a reason. I have no doubt that he has brought you here. It is not an accident. If it is your first time here, we've all been here for the first time, and we know walking across that parking lot can sometimes be the hardest walk to make, even the second time, even the third time. But there will be a time, and I promise you, if you continue to go one step, you will be running through that parking lot to get here tonight, and that's where I'm at tonight, celebrating victory in Jesus Christ. So I am so thankful you are here. Um, Again, if it is your first time, we welcome you. This is a place where you can feel safe to just let your walls down, knowing that God is here to meet you where you are. And when we are done with our large group, we will have a time that you can come and hear all about Celebrate Recovery, so you don't have to be nervous about anything tonight. You can just receive whatever it is the Lord has for you. And we'll gather um, and do the Newcomers 101, and you'll know what we do, you'll know what groups we have, and then next week you'll be ready to go. But tonight is Testimony Night. It's my favorite night. Every other week we share testimonies. Our stories are so important because it's through our weaknesses that God shines because he's the healer and he's the redeemer. He has the power to transform us into the life he has for you and for me because his plans for us are good and we stay stuck in our hurt. We stay stuck in our habit or we stay stuck in our hang-up when we don't admit we need him and we don't come into his arms and surrender Maybe that's what God wants you to do tonight is surrender to him through the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's an honor for me to um, introduce who we have tonight because this is not anything that we have done but God to bring us together and introduce us to these three wonderful people. Um, And I'm going to share just a little bit, but I want them to really share and then we'll share more. Um, But God absolutely absolutely orchestrated us to meet. Um, I'm gonna be introducing Fritz and Mike and Trish to come up and they actually have a radio show on Thursday nights that they record in Claremont and then it podcasts throughout the whole world and it's nothing but God's stories. And it's God's testimonies. And um, every Thursday night they record that and you can go to www.GodStoriesRadio.com and you can hear stories and we're looking for stories if you wanna share your testimony. Sharing testimonies is so vital. And we, we never finish our testimony until we meet Jesus face to face. So your testimony is going to evolve and it's gonna change as God continues to change us every day so you don't have to, there is no such thing as perfection until we are in his glory. So maybe you're feeling that nudge that there's something God wants you to share with somebody that might need to hear that. So be praying about that. But right now we have three very important stories of God's work. I'm gonna call up Trish, Mike, and Fritz and we're gonna pray for them. So let them come up here and let us give them a big silver Recovery welcome. And I want you guys to, I wanna just pray over you guys as we start. Why don't we just lay hands on you guys and let's pray lord savior we are celebrating you and your victory through these wonderful lives that you have created and in whom you have transformed and freed lord i just pray tonight that you will speak through them that they would just surrender to you as they are your mouthpieces and you have something you want each of us to hear lord break down the walls tonight for all of us to receive you and the word that we have and what you want us to hear about our own lives that we need to surrender to you because you want to change us as well continue, Lord, to just shine tonight. We surrender it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. All right, we welcome you. Thank you. Wow,
3: she's doing some awesome things here, Pastor Dawn, isn't she? She's wonderful. <laughs> As she said, I'm Trisha, and I'm going to try and not stick completely to a script, but at the same time, I, I feel like I don't want to leave anything out because there might be something that somebody needs to hear and I want to make sure that I express it. Um, My name is Trisha and I celebrate recovery from drug and alcohol dependence. And my testimony, it it starts with um, some disturbing truths. I was raised by my mom who was widowed with three kids at 30. I was nine when my father died and I was such a daddy's girl. I remember the last time that I saw my father laying in the bed, he was shrunk up with his body riddled from cancer. And I try not to get emotional. (laughs) And it still gets me every time, sorry. I prayed to God not to let my father die, but I heard a quiet whisper that he was gonna, in fact, gonna pass. I was so angry that I remember at nine years old threatening God that if my father died, I would never believe in him. I wouldn't raise my children to believe in him, and I would spit when I heard his name. Incidentally, I have a four-year-old that goes to school here, so things changed. (laughs) When, um, when he did die a few months later, leaving my mom a widow with three kids, I vowed to stick to that, what I prayed and that bitterness laid inside my heart for many years to come. By the time I was nine, I was molested by three different males at varied, various different times. It was a really sick world for me from the beginning. I started drinking to deal with it. We weren't raised in the church, and we, pro- we pretty much raised ourselves with my mother, working long hours in order to support us. I do remember going to vacation Bible school over this summer where I ran into my mother's cousin who happened to be a pastor at the church. I told him about the threat that I made to God and the guilt that I carried, and I thought maybe my father wasn't going to die, but once I threatened God, he took him away to punish me, and that's what I thought about God. That was um, what I believed at that time. He led me to Christ and tried to help me, but I was still very lost. I had babysitters that thought that it would be funny to get a little girl high and get high themselves and watch what I would do. My drugs of choice became alcohol and a particular type of hallucinogen, and they helped me to cope. I was labeled gifted and talented early on, but by the time I got to middle school, I struggled with an undiagnosed learning disability. I dropped out of high school at 14 after just three months of ninth grade. I'd gotten my GED, excuse me at 16 and that was a God thing because I could barely read I went to 12-step meetings for alcoholics and I went through several phases of denial my last drink was sometime in mid-February 1988 I couldn't really read so I had this sponsor that encouraged me to go to what they call big book meetings and 12-step meetings where they would read out of the books for 12-step programs and it was there that I learned how to read my sponsor seemed perfect for me her name was Mary Perry I always called her Mary Poppins because she was always happy and always smiling. The first night we met, I had about 30 days clean and sober. I was dating a guy who was also in the program, which I didn't recommend. I don't recommend that early on. He encouraged me to get a sponsor. And then that same night, he dumped me and told me not to drink and to call my sponsor. And he drove off with his friends. I remember standing at a crossroads. There was a beer and wine store across the street. They had a neon sign and it flashed, find spirits here. I still don't forget that. It was enticing. I could go over and pay someone to buy me a bottle. I was still not quite 17. Or I could go to the payphone and pull out my new sponsor's number. We had payphones then and reach out for help. God was with me that night. I drove out of Washington, D.C. and all through Montgomery County, Maryland to get to Mary's house that night. I told her how devastated I was about the breakup and how my life was getting better, and that I felt great. I attributed all this to this new guy, and him being in my life, and that he was my everything, even a part of my identity with the group. This woman who appeared perfect to me told me how she had a boyfriend in a relationship just like that. He was really controlling, and one day the police came, and they had drugs in a trunk in the living room, and she sat on it, hoping to not get caught while the police searched the house, and they did end up coming up empty. They left the house. He later started accusing her of driving around town with another man while he was at work, and there wasn't another man. It was just the drugs and alcohol had fogged his brain. Um, He threatened her one night, and things got out of hand, and he had a gun. He stood up, and he told her, "'It's all your fault. I know. I can make you live with this for the rest of your life.'" and he blew his brains out right in her living room. I thought, dear Jesus, how do you get past that? And here's this woman. She's happy all the time, and I just thought, wow, she's, she's got what I want. She's got happiness. That was what I looked for in a sponsor, and that's what I found in Mary. She slowly taught me to believe in a higher power, that now I cause, I choose to cause call lord and savior jesus christ i really believe god put her there for me especially that night she asked me one night what i wanted to do with my life she told me god had a plan i just needed to figure it out i told her i had no plans to live past 18. i thought that i would die from drugs or alcohol so i really didn't have any plans she said when you were little when you were a girl wasn't there something that you thought i want to be this or that when you when i grow up And I said, well, when I was growing up, I would get lonely or just need someone to talk to, and I would call the radio station. There was always a DJ there, 24-7, and they would always talk with me. I remember sitting in a closet and talking with a DJ and thinking, that's what I want to do when I grow up. I want to be on the radio. So Mary would give me homework to do every day. Every day I would see her at a meeting, and she would say, okay, so you want to be on the radio. Do you know the path? What's your homework? Your homework is to call a DJ on the radio and ask them how to get started and have them tell you how they got started and report it back to me. And I would say, okay, and I'd follow her instructions. She led me each day, every day, step by step. I believe that God puts people, messengers in our life to help us get through seasons. And by the time I was 19, I was sober almost two years, not only reading, but in college. And I was the first in my family. Sorry. For one of my college classes, I went to interview the program director, which is the person that does the hiring at a radio station for a speech paper. Somehow he thought that I was with the Washington Post because the receptionist heard that I was doing a paper and she assumed that I was either with the Washington Times or the Washington Post. So as God would have it, I was granted an interview with the program director. I talked with the guy and I recorded him and I followed him into the studio to watch him do the afternoon drive. This was my chance. I had my hand on the doorknob to walk out the door. As I left, he said, oh yeah, and if you want a job, talk to Russ Allen in research and tell him that I sent you. He's my assistant program director. So I left all excited and I got the job. I started doing Bart Simpson imitations, (laughs) of all things, I know. Um, I got really good at it, and I did Bart Simpson Imitations on the radio station. The director of the morning show heard the imitations, and he asked about me. He wanted me to come on to the morning show. It was the number one morning show in a top ten market. Again, as I was leaving the studio, with my hand on the doorknob, the director said, by the way, we're losing our morning show producer. You should apply. And I said, well, who do I send my resume to? He said, that would be me. So the next thing you know, I'm 19 years old, on the radio, producing a morning show. I was in heaven. I was in my element. As I looked over the skyline of Washington, I thought, I have arrived. Then God spoke to me and gave me a vision I had a black robe on, and I walked to sit on the bench. And I was a judge. And I really, I didn't even know how, what path to take to get to that. But God told me, I've given you what you want, and now you need to give me what I want. I have plans for you. It's a tough road to travel, but I've prepared you, and I will be with you. You will become a judge and keep God in the courtroom as much as possible. God in the courtroom will be under attack. That was back in 1991. So I sought out a plan, just like getting into radio, I set out to find out how to become a judge. I found out that a judge is typically a lawyer first, So how do you become a lawyer? You have to go to law school. How do you get into law school? You have to have a four-year undergraduate degree in anything, but you have to have the four-year degree. Once I got the producer job, I dropped out of college, so now it was time to go back. I thought, if this is your plan, then God, give me some gas. I need a four-year degree. I applied for a scholarship, and I got it, a full ride, for four years. I had gotten married because I thought it was something that would complete me. I told my husband the exciting news and he was unhappy. He didn't want me to go back to college. He thought that there wouldn't be time for us. I knew this was God's plan. Nothing was gonna stop me. I told him not to make me choose between him or God because he would lose. I went on to college and he didn't he did end up divorcing me. Things were going well until I hit a bump in the road. My scholarship people had given me all the funding for my whole year, the first semester. There was no money left for my second semester. I was on a lease and I had bills. I didn't know what to do. The stress caused me to not sleep. Eventually, I started dreaming while I was awake. It was like a weird LSD trip peppered with paranoia. And I wasn't on anything. I ended up in the nut hut, as I call it, diagnosed with bipolar mood disorder at 20. I got through it. I moved back home, and I commuted to school. I thought I'd finished my degree at the University of Maryland. I sold everything that I owned, and I packed it up in a car, and I moved to Florida to be closer to my mom and go to law school at the new law school in Orlando. It was 1999. I waited for months for my degree to come in the mail, and it never came. I called to find out if they had the correct address. They said, there is a problem. We did your senior audit, and you're short two classes. I cried they said oh don't worry they offer them next semester i said you don't understand i sold everything i owned and i left everything and i moved to florida i'd have to pay out of state tuition re-establish maryland residency so i just said you know i'm just going to get a job and 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 i got a job as a paralegal here in florida i was 30. i picked up some computers and the law very easily i became a floater paralegal and a legal assistant to the founding partners of a 50-attorney law firm. I learned all the various computer software programs, from bankruptcy to family law to criminal defense to insurance defense, and I became the firm trainer. I still went to my 12-step meetings, all the while staying clean and sober. I remember one night feeling particularly humiliated, and I sat in my car, hands on the steering wheel, and I screamed at God, whatever it is you're trying to teach me, I get it. I'm humbled. It was July 1st, 2001. My 16-year-old niece was having problems at home with the law and with drugs. Her mother was dying, and she knew that I had gotten clean and sober at 16, so she sent her to live with me. Every weekend, we would do something fun, whether it was go to the beach or explore St. Augustine. I wanted her to see that um, you didn't have to be drunk or high to enjoy life. I asked her the same question my sponsor asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? She said, I wanna be a singer. So on July 4th weekend, I took her to sing karaoke in downtown Orlando. We waited all night for her turn and we ended up closing the bar. Not a good idea, especially to take a newcomer to a bar. I rationalized it by having us sit outside on the patio, technically not a bar, and we drank soda, but still I don't recommend that. We left and I had never thought about the fact that I was surrounded by drunk people, even though I was sober and everyone with me was sober, Pretty much no one else was sober. We were driving home. It was just um, after my promotion to firm trainer. I was on top of the world, still on my path. That night we were traveling home, and my boyfriend and my niece said, hey, let's stop at this place for breakfast. So I made a U-turn, and we went inside. As we sat at the table, a large group came in. They were drunk and obnoxious. They sat themselves down and demanded service. It was a full house. Suddenly a fight broke out at the table right next to me. A girl in the corner booth was crawling up on her boyfriend, grabbing at his waistband and yelling, don't bring that over here, he's got a gun. I thought, oh God, we're gonna be shot. So I remember I jumped up to the emergency exit door, arms length away, the door was deadbolt locked shut. As I stood there at the door trying to run out, three of the obnoxious guys bum rushed another guy and I ended up on the bottom of a five-man pileup. My head hit the concrete floor, I looked over at the contents that spilled from my purse. I had police-issued pepper spray from when I worked on campus for Maryland State Police. I grabbed it, and I sprang up to my feet. I was going to use it and get out of there. I got pummeled again to the floor. I jumped up, and I sprayed a guy in the face. The stream fell to the floor before it even reached him, and he laughed and came at me. I thought, I'm going to die. This is it. This guy is gonna kill me, and he doesn't even know that I'm a Christian. Maybe if I had a cross around my neck, he wouldn't know that I'm a Christian and have second thoughts. That's why I wear my cross today. There was a little spot, and God had told me to stand there in this specific spot. He said, if you stand here, you'll be safe. I'll protect you there, but the space was so small I thought that can't be right. So I doubted that voice that I heard. As it turns out, if I had stayed in that place, I wouldn't have been injured. Instead, I tried to retreat and get out of the door. And it was a life changer. I ended up with a traumatic brain injury and I was rushed to RMC. I had seizures, back, neck, and arm injuries. I still didn't drink or pick up a drug. I went through 28 weeks of physical therapy to be able to walk again. I wanted more than to walk, I wanted to dance. I sued the restaurant for having a deadbolt lock on the emergency exit door. The restaurant had a million dollar insurance policy, but I didn't even get enough to pay my medical bills. I negotiated with my doctors, and they all happened to be Christians. They all just said they wanted to see me well, and the chiropractor said, You'll do more than dance again. He said, The only payment that you have is from from me is to go and follow your path and go to law school. All my doctors settled for portions of their bills and took or took nothing at all. I walked away with nothing, but through all of it, I never picked up a drink or a drug. I still have to take medication today for the seizures and I was bitter about that for a long time. My niece had to go back home because I was disabled and I lost my job. I lost my place to live. I went to a food bank, and I had always donated food, but I never thought in a million years that I would find myself needing help from a food bank. My fiancé went in. I sat in the car refusing to ask for help. I remember sitting in my beautiful convertible and crying out to God. I'm humbled. I get it. God told me to go in and receive what they had to offer. As hard as it was, I went in. As it turns out, the people inside were praying with my fiance and I would come in, or I'm sorry, that I would come in. They had a bag ready for me and waiting for me. I later lost my fiance and eventually my beloved car. I picked up myself again and went back to college in the pursuit of becoming a judge, this time at Valencia Community College and I got my two-year degree I then applied to Rollins College for my four-year degree, and I got accepted. Me, a 14-year-old, learning disabled, high school dropout. I'm still amazed. I later met a man who would go on to become my husband. That was 10 years ago. After being together for five years, we got married. I dropped out of college again to start a family. I'd been pregnant three times in the past, but I wasn't married any of those times, and I lost every one of those babies. I told my then-boyfriend at the time that God wept every time that we slept together because we were unmarried. When we laid in bed side by side, God wept. God told me, that if I honored him, and I did it his way, that I would be blessed with a baby, and she would be a baby girl, but that I had to get married. My husband was 44 years old, never married, always been a bachelor. I told him, look, God told me to get married to you and honor him, and that he would once again give me the desires of my heart, a baby. I would become a mother. I told God that if I did end up having a baby and it was a girl, that I would name her Grace and I would tell everyone my story and how I lost three babies as an unwed mother, that I honored God and that I got married and God graced me with a beautiful baby girl, Caitlin Grace, she's now four. I now have 26 years clean and sober. I've been set free from that stronghold. I'm back in school at Rollins College. I have one class left to graduate. Then I sit for the law school admittance test, and I plan to go to FAMU Law School in the fall of 2015. Then I plan to practice law as a child court advocate, guardian ad litem for abused and neglected children, and with my past, I believe that God has prepared me to serve in that capacity. After practicing for 10 years, I plan to run for judge, and I don't plan to retire at this late stage of the game. I hope to die serving him from the bench. I currently belong to a ministry, it's called God Stories Radio, where I co-host a weekly podcast with Mike and Fred's, oh, and we give hope and encouragement to the hurting through the Christian testimony, and that is my testimony.
4: Thank you.
2: Staring at this thing the whole time to make sure it was tall enough for me. <laughs> How y'all doing tonight? I gotta tell you, I feel at home here. You know, um, it was, that's where we met with Celebrate Recovery, now now called Real Freedom. But, but all three of us are graduates from graduates from Celebrate Recovery, and um, I owe a debt of gratitude to the program, and I'm always willing to give back getting holding for sissies. I had pages of notes and I was things I was gonna say. You ever just uh, feel like you're on a right turn? You know, you, you're leaning into it, you're going, you good God, I got this, I got, I'm good. Then all of a sudden, no, left, left, left. And uh, that's what happened to me today. So I'm gonna take the left turn approach. You know, they said I had 15 minutes to tell my testimony and I can't spell my name in 15 minutes. So I may have to come back at some point and tell you the A to Z. But I will touch on some things. One thing is you noticed when you give your testimony that you you tend to relive those moments. And I asked the Lord, I said, why is that? We've seen many, many testimonies. We've heard many, many testimonies. And all of them that come through, and I don't care how many times they've told it, they get emotional. Then they relive it. And the Lord directed me to Revelations 19.10. In the original Greek, the word testimony means to do it again. I heard just as clear as a bell, that's where the power lies. You know, the testimony is all we got, and we have to guard it with all our heart. And I think what I wanted to do tonight was just encourage you guys, because let's celebrate recovery, let the program help you build that testimony. And believe me, I fought it. The uh, scripture in Philippians, you know, that patience, perseverance, long-suffering, all that, Uh, I hated that verse. Now I have come to appreciate it because it's uh, pretty much my mantra and everything that I stand for today. But just a little bit about me. I was born in South Florida to uh, Christian parents. My dad was a recovering alcoholic and a real estate mogul. I lost my mom when I was 14 to inoperable breast cancer, and that was a huge blow to my psyche. And I still think today uh, I've never recovered from it. Um, I have lots of brothers and sisters, but I separated myself from them because a lot of them are very successful, you know, attorneys and things like that, and I was very intimidated by that because uh, I just... uh, I was just me. I did retail sales, and I tra- but I did travel around the world doing productions work for major rock tours and things like that. I married young my first time. I was 22, and it lasted about eight years, but my career as a musician, as an aspiring drummer and, and rock musician, and uh, um, speaking of which, I got to give credit where credit's due. I shut my eyes earlier, and I thought I was listening to Francesca Battistelli I, I, and Kim Walker. I thought we're here. I'm like, whoa, girlfriend, you, you got it going on. You bless me, I'm telling you. That's one of my favorite worship courses of all times. When she does that with Jesus culture, oh, man, I want to get saved again. But um, that lasted about eight years, but I did have a beautiful daughter who's now married and lives in, in Portland, to a Marine. I'm ashamed to say, I shouldn't be, that, I, that I've been married three times. How many single dudes do we have in here? Anybody? A few. Well, if you're brave enough to utter the words to Father, I want your best. Watch out. So I picked the last three, so I said, uh, you're going to pick this one, and he will mess up your game. I'm here to tell you. So <laughs> My second wife, who is my daughter's mom, and my daughter's a lot of, of my, part of my testimony, and I'll tell you why. Because she was, um, suffered from a very rare blood disorder from nine months of age, and she had her first kidney transplant in 2004, which lasted about five years, and then the, the kidney was killed, and, and then she went back on dialysis. Well, 2010 was quite a trying year, for us, because Aubrey's biological mom, my second wife, passed away rather suddenly from an aneurysm. She passed away, and, and it was it was a rough year because Aubrey lost uh, two moms in the same year—her biological mom and, and a stepmom. So here I am, a single parent for the first time, scared to death, and I don't care how good a dad you are—you never fulfill those shoes. Paul talks about his thorn in the flesh. He never really says what it is, but I think I, I can probably pinpoint a couple in my life i 've always done been well physically. My third marriage, uh, we did it all wrong. you know she was still married, and, and then we got involved and we, we were both uh, living the high life we, we bought a real estate company and we had about three offices and 100 agents, and we were a top 200 ERA franchise, and we had everything. I had all the toys, boats, cars, motorcycles, pool, 4,000-square-foot home. I think the Lord allowed me to experience life at that level as part of my testimony so that I could minister to people that have money because they don't intimidate me. I I meet a lot of people that, you know, business folks and whatnot that You're very successful, and I think that's that really helps us with God Stories Radio too because they're broken in some way. As things got worse, um, I had to have a heart valve replaced in 2004, and uh, I had that hope and heart surgery done in 2010, which was our banner year. uh, This kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. In 2010, I had an aortic aneurysm, and that's how I I ended up in Orlando, was I came to Florida Hospital to have that repaired. On my third marriage, not just the marriage went down in flames, it was a lot of dreams, a lot of goals, aspirations, the company, successes, I knew it, but I turned my back on God. Because I just figured that um, most pastors slept with people in the congregation, and and um, there was nobody that really stood for what they said. That was a real problem, because I trusted in uh, in my economy and not God's will. In God Stories Radio, we have a we have a saying, and it's uh, what was your pivotal moment? Some people call it the two by four upside the head. The uh, whatever it was, your defining moment, getting the stool kicked out from under you, whatever. That was my defining moment when I got that phone call. That was definitely kicking the stool out from under me. So God had my attention. And if you're in in that place tonight, let me encourage you that if God's got your attention, you know, listen, make the best of it. If you're at a place right now where it's really quiet and God's not speaking seemingly, that's when he's doing his best work and I encourage you to hang in there. Believe me, I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit so bad, I went to real life over here one night. I didn't even know why, I just drove there. And I was done. And we at God Stories Radio, we call it tired. And uh, I don't know if any of you in this room have ever been tired, but I contemplated it. I know uh, I'm. Mike's gonna talk about it, but this is where I came to be with Celebrate Recovery as I went up there, and um, I didn't even know it was going on. And I just went up there, and Mike was at the door. He never greets. You know, he was asked to fill in for somebody else that night. Mike took me by the hand a tears streaming down my eyes, and I, he said, hey, how you doing? Have you ever been here before? I said, no, I'm tired. Mike knew exactly what I was talking about, and he's never left my side. <laughs> five years now and, and then he shared the vision of God Stories Radio and then that's how that got going. But uh, like I said, that's a brief overview of, of kind of my testimony without without getting into the the deeper things. But I just want to encourage you guys about guarding your testimony. Just realize that in First Samuel two four it says the bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength which means it's kind of an oxymoron really when you think about it but it's it's stated time after time after time in the Bible that he gives strength and weakness and I really found out what that meant in my own life and I think Celebrate Recovery was, I, I not know was, but was and is that source of information that I needed when I was tired so that's how I ended up there but God can only give you that strength, can only be born through brokenness. So if you're broken tonight, I just encourage you, hang in there and listen. And even if, when it's seemingly quiet, just know he's preparing things ahead of you. And he's going to take you through something that's going to further you closer to your destiny. I'm going to let Mike come up since we're kind of short on time, but I really, really appreciate you letting us come and share and I just want to put it out there that hey we're here locally and then if you guys are feeling that nudge, that tug that hey I'm at the point where I really need to tell somebody about what I've been through we, never would we have ever known that we started a small little podcast in the living room of my apartment and now we're in 29 countries pray about it and uh, we love you guys and we're, we're it's by no accident nothing surprises me anymore that we're that we're partners and Pastor Dawn shared her testimony on our show I think it's 39 I'll never forget that so listen to session 39 and you'll hear her story as well so thanks again guys I really appreciate it
1: All right, my name is Mike Jewett and I was born and raised in Springfield, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm the oldest of seven, and um, a, uh, my father was uh, an alcoholic, as I call a nasty alcoholic. Uh, he, would, he would come home every night and beat my mother, every night. So when I thought I was old enough and big enough, I would step in front and he would take care of me, then go to her. A couple years ago, I was introduced uh, a book called Wild at Heart by John Eldridge. I've been to three of their boot camps, and um, I know why uh, I was given that book. Uh, My father never, ever, ever, ever told me that he loved me. And he never told me that I have what it takes. And that's where you get that in that Wild at Heart book. We were brought up Catholic, and all through, uh, I went to... uh, Catholic school, first through twelfth grade, and I was uh, picked on and bullied through all through grade school. Uh, I was an altar boy, and then we go into uh, my first marriage. It lasted 15 plus years. It ended in divorce after 15 plus years. But through that, I have four wonderful children and eight beautiful grandchildren. There was uh, cheating going on and drugs. Uh, one of her friends came to me and told me that, uh, uh, don't you know that uh, her, she's doing so much coke that her nose bleeds? I was the last to know and everything. And we did used to go to church, and uh, when this was happening, I started to go back again. But as I look back at it now, uh, someone was trying to get my attention. You think? Who's tapping me on the shoulder? A couple years later, <clears throat> I got married again, and that one lasted 16-plus years. So it ended seven years, 10 months ago, and all along, thinking through both of those marriages, that I was a good guy. Uh, One of the things God had me learn early on was that my self-centeredness, my selfishness, and all about me helped in the breakup of those marriages. So we go back seven years, 10 months ago, when Mikey was living high. I was living in Hudson, Florida, living in a nice $350,000 house. Income was at $180,000. And I was driving a $40,000 a brand new loaded Chrysler 300. And the only thing that was shining through was Mikey's pride and arrogance. So when she uttered the word divorce on August 6th of '06, and there was only seven words mentioned, you're fat and you have bad breath after the word divorce, and that was it. That's when I believe my new journey began, and it wasn't going to be a journey to look forward to, especially someone without God. So from August 6th, '6 to September 15th, I tried to bend over backwards, trying to change her mind. I heard things like, I've planned this for years, I've never loved you, and it just went on and on. On September 15th of '06, all was lost. She went above and beyond, and she went to the Pasco County Sheriff's Office to try and secure herself in the house, and had a DVI restricted on me. Pasco County Sheriff's Office and said that I pushed her and hit her to the, and hit her and pushed her to the ground. So at 6 p.m. that day, I was escorted out of my house. I was given 10 minutes to get personal belongings. So I filled two suitcases, and I was escorted out of my house, never to see it again all on false accusations. So within about a month's time, from that 9-15-06, I lost my wife and my best friend. At least I thought she was my best friend. All of our friends, because they were our friends. Besides the house, all of its contents, 90 to 95% of my income. And I lost the car a little bit later. Now do you think someone was back trying to get my attention at this point? This time, as I say, with a 2x4 upside the head, which I have thanked him for every day. Thank you for that 2x4. As God has taken me through this, even dark as it was, and kind of still is, but now with faith and hope that God will show me just how good he is. <clears throat> I still had a friend, Nina, in Tampa, and she was able to find a place for me to stay for a couple of weeks not only that, uh, that particular weekend um, she went for a ride, a Sunday ride with her oldest daughter just to go for a Sunday drive and about 15 miles away they found a church called Grace Family Church in Lutz, Florida and they couldn't wait to get back to the office that Monday to tell me about it and invite me to church so I figured it was on September, 4th, September 24th, 06 when I went for the first time and haven't stopped since when either by worship or message or both, tears continue to flow. I took it literally to walk and talk with my father, five to ten miles each day, starting that personal intimate relationship with him. Then, on April 2nd of 07, when that comes, court date. And this could have been the worst day of all. A decision that was totally by surprise. As my lawyer, we went into the the courthouse, he told me uh, no lawyer in his right, or no judge in his right mind would have you pay anything at all with the financials that you have. Well, he was wrong. I was ordered to pay $1,200 per to, a month to her, and I wasn't even making that close to that much for myself. So, what happens when you're in contempt of court? You go to jail. Not me. So, back to the office I go. Tampa, Florida, and even told the lawyer before I left that I was going back to kill myself. I was tired. When I got back to the office, the first thing I did was I get to the computer and started to Google over-the-counter drugs that are lethal. Uh, I started to sit there and think about who do I know that has a gun, because God knows I was ready. He knows I was ready. So I'm sitting there trying to kill myself. Or thinking a way of doing it, and all of a sudden, this thought comes into my head: Why don't you check your email? <laughs> okay, so I checked my email, and the last email—the first one it comes to, the first one, it, the last one it came—was only about an hour before I got there, and it was a forward from the woman's brother who owns the office. She he sent it to her and then she forwarded it to me and then here I am looking at it and it was a, one of those long emails that and I didn't like to read at the time that's all I do now it was a long email so I read about halfway down and I deleted it and I went to the next one and I went back to it because something did strike my attention so I read it all the way down to the bottom at the bottom of the email was a link to go to marketplaceleaders.org Uh for a book by Oz Hillman titled, The Upside to Adversity. So as I read that, and when you go to that link, you can download the first chapter, and I read it three times. It took me about two weeks to scrape up the $20 to get it. I believe that that book not only saved my life physically, but spiritually as well, I do believe that. I believe that the book was sent to me in what has been coined a joseph calling explaining about all this adversity but coupled with a piece of hope in God's plan and purpose i was baptized on Ju- uh, july 21st 2007 and as things continued to get less and less but my needs were met i pressed closer and closer an addiction was formed i never had one before this is my addiction when I started to feel self-pity, being lonely, or depression setting in, I would pull out the Bible, start reading it, and within a few minutes, whatever I was feeling was gone, and the next thing I know, I was reading it for about an hour or so. So here I am, seven, seven years, ten months later, God started me in Hudson, Florida, at August 6, 06, he then took me to Tampa, a place that I said I would never live. <laughs> I lived in my own apartment for one year. Then the adventure begins. Working, but not really getting paid, in two more places in Tampa, not my own. One for six months, one for five months. This is all done with the two safe cases I had been when I was escorted out of my house. Then from Tampa, Florida, to East Meadow, Massachusetts, for seven months. From East Illinois, Massachusetts to Chickabee, Massachusetts for 19 months. From Chickabee, Massachusetts to Claremont, Florida, two places here, one for 14 months and one for 17 months, and now one year in Montverde. All of those, not my own, which God had supplied. No door opened for work until three years ago, $10 an hour part-time. And there was a stretch of three years where I was actually living out of those two suitcases and sleeping on couches. Now going back to Chicopee, Massachusetts, the church that I went to there was a Baptist church. And guess what they had there? Celebrate Recovery. My first introduction to it. I felt God nudging me to go because now it had been a couple years where he has been walking me through this stuff to encourage and comfort anyone he put in front of me because of what he has been walking me through. And I, as I would walk to the church each, each Tuesday night to do that, <clears throat> I would pray to God to put someone in front of me that I could help encourage. Then God brought me to Claremont, Florida, in Real Life Church. And they had a CR as well. So I started going there for the same reason that I had left to celebrate recovery in, in Chickadee, Massachusetts. But this time he had other plans. In the groups, I would share as I did it uh, in Chicopee, and also looking for whom God would bring in my path. Oh, but there was a word I kept hearing early on until finding out that that word was the reason for me being there and my healing. Have you heard of the word codependency? That's why I was there. I found that out. As I continue to walk and talk with my Heavenly Father, continue to strengthen my personal, intimate relationship with him, continue to be fully submitted as best I know how, God still has his thumb on me as he controls all that is happening. As he is humbling me, as he is training me, as he is teaching me, I know that God has a purpose and plan for my life and what he wants me to do, what and more than I could possibly or would possibly even ever imagine. Another thing I learned during this calling is I could not do or be what God wanted me to do the man I was seven years, ten months ago, or before. And as he is guiding me, I think of Psalm 32, verse 8, awesome promises in that. A principle learned from this that the dark moments of our life last only so long as is necessary for God to accomplish his purpose in us. Father has had me in places of isolation, just him and me, for a long time. He wanted me to find out who I really was. I am so excited and trying to wait patiently to see where and when God is going to take me in his next move in my life. and It might be right here. I am at a point now that all I want to do is please him, honor him, serve him, obey him, and give him all the glory. I believe God will not forsake me or leave me where I am. God is faithful. With all that has happened in the last seven years, ten months, with it all has been taken from me over the past seven years and ten months, and knowing what I have learned, I would not change one thing. Because I know that it is going to be so much better, as I said before, more than I could or would possibly even ever imagine. I heard this statement a few years ago, and I wrote it down. God makes a promise. Faith believes it. Hope anticipates it and patience waits quietly for it. As you heard early on, I am the oldest of seven siblings. I have four children of my own and eight grandchildren. And at the time when God found me, I was the only one who knew Jesus for who he is. There's a lot of work to be done. So each day as I walk and ask for all of their salvation, I ask Father to continue to give me the strength to wait patiently for his will, his way, and in his time that and that's my testimony
0: will not see <laughs> it <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>